This content is only for adults. The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap. They gather nothing into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you more important than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single moment to your lifespan? Why are you anxious about clothes? Learn from the way the wildflowers grow. They do not work or spin, but I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was clothed like one of them. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which grows today and is thrown into the oven tomorrow, will he not much more provide for you, O oh, you of little faith? So do not worry and say, What are we to eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what are we to wear? All these things the pagans seek. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given you besides. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for a day is its own evil. This is Radio Wave Medjinomics with your host, a friend of Medjugorje. We're going to start off by reading a feedback that came in after last week's show, The Capital of the Soul. It's from India. And it states, Dear friend of Medjugorje, In general, I find your editorials, etc. quite interesting and inspiring. Your new site is exceptional. But your podcast on Iran nuclear deal is a crock. Never heard anything so old, uninspiring, political, hence full of falsehood, biased, etc. Disappointedly surprised, it almost made me rethink your vision of Medjugorje. Love your enemy as you love yourself would be the first thing that comes to mind. Look at the photos coming from Tehran. Are those people who wish the destruction of Israel? And isn't Israel destroying a whole people? Are you listening to the leaders only? Are you believing the American newspaper only? Listen to the people in Israel, in Tehran, in Palestine, in Syria, Iraq, etc. 
You will see and hear people wanting peace, calling for peace, praying for peace. Isn't this the main message of the Queen of Peace? Your radio wave on the nuclear deal is anything but peace. Well, I respond to that by saying, Ali's purpose here is the Queen of Peace. And certainly peace, Ali says, is the greatest treasure you can have on earth. You don't think that communist Russia, with all this persecution and difficulties, and that millions of people weren't praying for peace, doesn't that doesn't change evil's agenda. There's an agenda that's identified. And no, we don't get our information from the newspapers because we know it's false, or it's slanted, or it's biased. We get it from the messages. For years we've taught here that your worldview, your biblical view, must be through the glasses of the messages. That's what they are. You put the messages in your heart, it's like reading with glasses. You see things with much more clarity. And the purpose of Lady coming is for that. But if Lady's coming as a queen of peace, it's because what she said the second day of the apparitions, peace, 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 reconcile. Things have to be reconciled in the world. And we're not headed to a reconciliation. And the only place we can be is underneath the mantle of our life of protection. She didn't say January 1st, the first day of the beginning of the millennium, she didn't say, now when Satan's unchained, consecrate yourself to my heart and the heart of my son. There's a statement in that. There's a great evil stirring. We just got John Kerry, who he's, this writer from India speaking about, the Iran deal that we just signed and implementing and what last week's show was about. John Kerry responds to the Iranian Supreme Leader after this was passed or accepted, who vowed the Supreme Leader was vowed to defy American policies in the region despite a deal with world powers over Tehran's nuclear program. Kerry says this was very troubling. You mean he goes through the deal and now he sees it? Why did he say that? I say this feedback. Kerry says, I don't know how to interpret it at this point in time. We did. We see it. We have idiots negotiating with people who have evil intentions. That doesn't mean I'm against peace. I'm for peace. But this treaty will not lead to peace because the purpose of the treaty is to, what I spoke of last week with Israel is to destroy Israel. Why destroy Israel? Because God was born in Israel. Seven miles from where God was born in Israel, he was crucified. Satan wants to crucify Israel nuclearly. If he could drop a bomb on it in two or three places, it wouldn't be nothing but a crater. A couple of centuries from now, we can say, oh, it's mythological. Christianity is not real. That was one thing. But you don't think they'll do that. They're doing it in our lifetime now. Curry's complaining about something with his revisionism and lies he dealt with. He negotiated a deal. And then he says, I don't know how to interpret it. I thought we got a good deal. You cannot deal with enemies. You can love them. That's true, as the writer wrote. 
We never advocated not loving your enemy. But that doesn't mean we should be stupid. In fact, I think it's Proverbs or Psalms may say, when your enemy befriends you, accept that, but be cautious. Carrie wasn't cautious, and now he's shocked. I thought we were friends. I thought everything was going to be okay. He gave everything away, including Israel's future, if they don't stand up and we don't stand behind them. And we better stand behind Israel. Because the real intention of this whole thing, of everything that's happening in the world, is one thing, the elimination of Israel. Because of Jesus Christ. We may think it's the Jews. But Jesus was a Jew. Think about that. Why is this little bitty dot amongst 58 Arab states, huge landmass, they won't accept the Jews to have their homeland? God gave it to them. Why did he give it to them? I'll answer that later. So we need wisdom to see what's taking place and why the enemy is being placed above us and what we do and what we think. And so when we have people so naive that they can think, okay, people are praying for peace. Millions of people in Russia pray for peace in the midst of great oppression. There's always the prayers going for peace. And so in Europe, you can't even speak about the Holocaust or the Jews because of instance, the Muslims. That's not coming from the newspapers. That's everywhere. We know that. It's a fact. It's been known for years that Muslims in the Middle East deny the Holocaust took place. I know a lot of good Muslims. I've met them. I've had dinner with them in Europe. But that doesn't change the radical. Just like it doesn't change things in Russia, that not everybody was communist. Most of the country wasn't communist, but they're Rama communist. Don't, as I said last week, stick your head in the sand. And we got our speech that was given. And we're going to let Riaz read this. It's kind of lengthy, but stay with it. It's very important, very timely. It was just given recently that would even answer further this whole objection to what was said last week. And when you, when you see something against Israel, you better be wary of that. Sister Lucy said, who saw Our Lady of Fatima, said in 1991 to a cardinal, that World War II was a war against the Jews by their enemy. And she added, God's people is still the Jewish people. Nothing's changed with that. And so when you have that, because Christ was a Jew, who is Satan going to hate? What race will he hate more than any other race? The Jewish people. Yes, he hates Christians to a high degree. But at the same time, use your logic. What does he want to hate and what does he want to destroy over the whole face of the whole earth more than any geographic place on the earth? So when you hear a lady say, Satan wants to destroy not only the human race, but the planet on which you live, the first place, the first address is crucifixion and birthplace, Jerusalem. This is titled, The Lights Are Going Out All Over Europe. In a generation or two, the U.S. will ask itself, who lost Europe? Here is a speech of Geert Wilders, chairman of the Party for Freedom from the Netherlands, at the Four Seasons New York, introducing an alliance of patriots and announcing the Facing Jihad conference held in Jerusalem. Dear friends, 
Thank you very much for inviting me. I come to America with a mission. All is not well in the old world. There is a tremendous danger looming, and it is very difficult to be optimistic. We might be in the final stages of the Islamization of Europe. This not only is a clear and present danger to the future of Europe itself, it is a threat to America and the sheer survival of the West. The United States, as the last bastion of Western civilization, facing an Islamic Europe. First, I will describe the situation on the ground in Europe. Then I will say a few things about Islam. To close, I will tell you about a meeting in Jerusalem. The Europe you know is changing. You have probably seen the landmarks. But in all of these cities, sometimes a few blocks away from your tourist destination, there is another world. It is the world of the parallel society created by Muslim mass migration. All throughout Europe, a new reality is rising. Entire Muslim neighborhoods where very few indigenous people reside or are even seen. And if they are, they might regret it. This goes for the police as well. It's the world of headscarves where women walk around in figureless tents with baby strollers and a group of children. Their husbands, or slaveholders if you prefer, walk three steps ahead. With mosques on many street corners, the shops have signs you and I cannot read. You will be hard-pressed to find any economic activity. These are Muslim ghettos controlled by religious fanatics. These are Muslim neighborhoods, and they are mushrooming in every city across Europe. These are the building blocks for territorial control of increasingly larger portions of Europe, street by street, neighborhood by neighborhood, city by city. There are now thousands of mosques throughout Europe with larger congregations than there are in churches. And in every European city, there are plans to build super mosques that will dwarf every church in the region. Clearly, the signal is, we rule. Many European cities are already one-quarter Muslim. Just take Amsterdam, Marcel, and Malmo in Sweden. In many cities, the majority of the under-18 population is Muslim. Paris is now surrounded by a ring of Muslim neighborhoods. Mohammed is the most popular name among boys in many cities. In some elementary schools in Amsterdam, the farm can no longer be mentioned, because that would also mean mentioning the pig, and that would be an insult to Muslims. Many state schools in Belgium and Denmark only serve halal food to all pupils. In once tolerant Amsterdam, abominables are beaten up almost exclusively by Muslims. Non-Muslim women routinely hear, slut, slut. He used another word, but that's the word we're using to replace with. Mr. Wilders continues, Satellite dishes are not pointed to local TV stations, but to stations in the country of origin. In France, school teachers are advised to avoid authors deemed offensive to Muslims, including Voltaire and Diderot. The same is increasingly true of Darwin. The history of the Holocaust can no longer be taught because of Muslim sensitivity. In England, Sharia courts are now officially part of the British legal system. Many neighborhoods in France are no-go areas for women without headscarves. Last week, a man almost died after being beaten up by Muslims in Brussels because he was drinking during the Ramadan. Jews are fleeing France in record numbers, on the run for the worst wave of anti-Semitism since World War II. French is now commonly spoken on the streets of Tel Aviv and Netanyahu, Israel. I would go on forever with stories like this, stories about Islamization.
A total of 54 million Muslims now live in Europe. San Diego University recently calculated that a staggering 25% of the population in Europe will be Muslim just 12 years from now. Bernard Lewis has predicted a Muslim majority by the end of this century. Now these are just numbers, and the numbers would not be threatening if the Muslim immigrants had a strong desire to assimilate, but there are few signs of that. The Pew Research Center reported that half of French Muslims see their loyalty to Islam as greater than their loyalty to France. One-third of French Muslims do not object to suicide attacks. The British Center for Social Cohesion reported that one-third of British Muslim students are in favor of a worldwide caliphate. Muslims demand what they call respect. And this is how we give them respect. We have Muslim official state holidays. The Christian Democratic Attorney General is willing to accept Sharia in the Netherlands if there is a Muslim majority. We have cabinet members with passports from Morocco and Turkey. Muslim demands are supported by unlawful behavior ranging from petty crimes and random violence, for example, against ambulance workers and bus drivers, to small-scale riots. Paris has seen its uprising in the low-income suburbs, the slums. I call the perpetrators settlers, because that is what they are. They do not come to integrate into our societies. They come to integrate our society into their Dar al-Islam. Therefore, They are settlers. Much of the street violence I mentioned is directed exclusively against non-Muslims, forcing many native people to leave their neighborhoods, their cities, their countries. Moreover, Muslims are now a swing vote not to be ignored. The second thing you need to know is the importance of Muhammad, the prophet. His behavior is an example to all Muslims and cannot be criticized. Now, if Muhammad had been a man of peace, let us say like Gandhi and Mother Teresa wrapped in one, there would be no problem. But Mohammed was a warlord, a mass murderer, a pedophile, and had several marriages at the same time. Islamic tradition tells us how he fought in battles, how he had his enemies murdered and even had prisoners of war executed. Mohammed himself slaughtered the Jewish tribe, a Banyu Quaraza. If it is good for Islam, it is good. If it is bad for Islam, it is bad. Let no one fool you about Islam being a religion. Sure, it has a God and a hereafter, and 72 virgins. But in its essence, Islam is a political ideology. It is a system that lays down detailed rules for society and the life of every person. Islam wants to dictate every aspect of life. Islam means submission. Islam is not compatible with freedom and democracy because what it strives for is Sharia. If you want to compare Islam to anything, compare it to communism or national socialism, These are all totalitarian ideologies. Now you know why Winston Churchill called Islam the worst retrograde force in the world and why he compared Mein Kampf to the Quran. The public has wholeheartedly accepted the Palestinian narrative and sees Israel as the aggressor. I have lived in this country and visited it dozens of times. I support Israel. First, because it is the Jewish homeland after 2,000 years of exile up to and including Auschwitz. Second, because it is a democracy. And third, because Israel is our first line of defense. This tiny country is situated on the fault line of jihad, frustrating Islam's territorial advance. Israel is facing the front lines of jihad like Kashmir, Kosovo, the Philippines, southern Thailand, Darfur in Sudan, Lebanon, and Assis in Indonesia.
Israel is simply in the way, the same way West Berlin was during the Cold War. The war against Israel is not a war against Israel. It is a war against the West. It is jihad. Israel is simply receiving the blows that are meant for all of us. If there would have been no Israel, Islamic imperialism would have found other venues to release its energy and its desire for conquest. Thanks to Israeli parents who send their children to the army and lay awake at night, parents in Europe and America can sleep well and dream, unaware of the dangers looming. Many in Europe argue in favor of abandoning Israel in order to address the grievances of our Muslim minorities. But if Israel were, God forbid, to go down, it would not bring any solace to the West. It would not mean our Muslim minorities would all of a sudden change their behavior and accept our values. On the contrary, the end of Israel would give enormous encouragement to the forces of Islam. They would, and rightly so, see the demise of Israel as proof that the West is weak and doomed. The end of Israel would not mean the end of our problems with Islam, but only the beginning. It would mean the start of the final battle for world domination. If they can get Israel, they can get everything. So-called journalists volunteer to label any and all critics of Islam as right-wing extremists or racist. In my country, the Netherlands, 60% of the population now sees the mass immigration of Muslims as the number one policy mistake since World War II, and another 60% sees Islam as the biggest threat. Yet there is greater danger than terrorist attacks, the scenario of America as the last man standing. The lights may go out in Europe faster than you can imagine. An Islamic Europe means a Europe without freedom and democracy and economic wasteland and intellectual nightmare and a loss of military might for America as its allies will turn into enemies, enemies with atomic bombs. With an Islamic Europe... It would be up to America alone to preserve the heritage of Rome, Athens, and Jerusalem. Dear friends, liberty is the most precious gift. My generation never had to fight for this freedom. It was offered to us on a silver platter by people who fought for it with their lives. All throughout Europe, American cemeteries remind us of the young boys who never made it home and whose memory we cherish. My generation does not own this freedom. We are merely its custodians. We can only hand over this hard-won liberty to Europe's children in the same state in which it was offered to us. We cannot strike a deal with mullahs and imams. Future generations would never forgive us. We cannot squander our liberties. We simply do not have the right to do so. We have to take the necessary action now to stop this Islamic stupidity from destroying the free world that we know. And we can't when we sin. We lose wisdom. We lose the ability to see with clarity the truth. We want to be politically correct. Even to those who want to destroy us. Yes, it's important to pray for them and their conversion and to be loved. But God never did anything that condemned Roman soldiers as far as their duties. Military is necessary. Actions are necessary. And Israel always seems to be the point in the world of contention. What was the result of World War II? The birth of Israel in 1948. It became a nation. They returned there after 2,000 years for the first time. Do you think that was a setup by God? That he could preserve these lands 
these holy lands because what's coming now, what was foreseen, that if Israel wasn't there protecting them, all the holy sites in Christendom would be destroyed. Think about that. Reason it out. Satan hates these sites. Just the existence, if nobody even went there, is filled with hatred by him to destroy it. This man just said something very profound. He said, Israel is simply receiving the blows that are meant for all of us. Did you catch that profound statement? I don't even know if he realized what he was saying. Israel is simply receiving the blows that are meant for all of us. Didn't Jesus receive the blows meant for all of us? And we get a feedback to things we don't understand what's going on. Peace is not cheap. Peace comes with a price, often blood. And Jesus proved that, the king of peace. And so don't get a misnomer because people are praying for peace and everybody. Peace-loving people are going to be here in and in peace. That doesn't happen. It's our lady who, what I've already quoted her, said, peace is the greatest treasure on earth. You cannot have peace where you have sin. And we have much hatred in the world. He also said the light may go out in Europe faster than you think. 20 years ago, I was in Europe. I told my wife, I said, Europe's going to burn. I told Maria in Italy, Europe's going to burn. And nothing was like it is now as far as showing those insights. I saw it to the messages. I saw the path they were walking. It was nice and green. It looked good. Everybody wanted it. Everybody wants an economy. Everything's flourishing. But in prayer, through fasting, through connecting with God, I saw it's going to burn. I'm telling you people, Europe is in serious, serious trouble. Not because this man said it. You can go writings 15, 20 years ago and see that. There's just a, a thing that I wrote five years ago. The death of civilization. I wrote five years ago because people couldn't even imagine five years ago who would have perverted unions, masks as marriage, passed by Supreme Court. Yeah, we know there's a lot of talk about things like that, but nobody thought that could happen, especially with state after state voting it down. So in Wilder's speech, he says, the end of Israel would not mean the end of our problems with Islam, but only the beginning. It would mean that the start of the final battle for the war's domination. It's a pretty profound statement. Would Our Lady not be coming here for 34 years because there's something coming and building that's going to be so huge? that's going to dominate the world, that she's coming up to us to show how to fight this. You can fight, you can kill with love defending your homeland. You can't do it with hatred. What is peace? Peace has to be defended. It doesn't mean to be pacifist. And so the light is going out on Europe. And what does that mean for us in America? He went on to say, it will be up to America alone to preserve the heritage of Rome, Athens, and Jerusalem. Is that the problem with the feedback? Maybe you don't like America being talked about? America is the last bastion. George Washington, in the writing I wrote years ago, American History Never Alone, had three visions from a woman in his tent. The first was a Revolutionary War. The second was a Civil War. Well, the third is yet to come. 
It hasn't been fulfilled. But it talked of a great mass basically immigrating into our country. And the clashing of swords all across every town, smoke billowing all across America. I've said it very clearly. I've written about it, that America has to be knocked down before Satan can dominate the world. We stand in its way. But that doesn't mean Europe won't fall first. You're not to be afraid of evil. You're not to be afraid of the future. But that doesn't mean when you go, you don't start shaking. This is enough to shake your conscience to realize we're on a bad path. Things are manifesting faster than we can think. That's why he said the lights will go out faster than you think. I see it coming so fast, it's amazing. And I knew it was coming. And yet still I'm surprised at the speed at which everything's happening. Why? Do you think it's just a coincidence that we're just two weeks of each other, the U.S. Supreme Court, in the United States of America, after Ireland voted by popular vote, this was a vote popular by the Supreme Court on us by only five justices. Our states voted against it. Ireland voted as a popular vote. Big difference. That we got that, that ruling, and then we got the Iran deal that's going to cause every kind of havoc that we can imagine. That's happened as a result of abomination. When it rises up, the Muslims' power is rising also. This is biblical. I spoke about that last week on the sequel. We'll make this a sequel to a show. This is actually the show we were talking about. We were going to talk about things. I didn't plan it, but this is turning into that. The Syrians were risen up over the Israelites when they sinned, and they punished Israelites. And this power that nobody can understand how the Muslims are rising up in this power because many Muslims don't want this. They do want peace. But it only takes 5% of the people to cause a revolution. The rest will follow either by force or political correctness or out of fear. So ISIS is big enough for other things to happen. Where do you go from here? Something major very major is happening in Medjugorje right now. And it's not necessarily in Medjugorje. It's three hours from Medjugorje. Of the 58 Muslim states, Arab states, there's only one place in the whole of Europe outside of that region of the world that the country is predominantly Muslim. That's Bosnia, Herzegovina. Sarajevo is 80% Muslim. World War I started in Sarajevo. It has a geographic significance to it, a big significance. And then in 84, the Winter Olympics went there. God ordained that. Why did he do that? Because journalists from all over the world the most media-covered thing there is when the Olympics take place every time they happen, ended up in Sarajevo. They traveled the countryside. I'd heard about Medjugorje the week before, in 84. But then I hear riding down the road one week later, ABC Radio reporting a 17-year-old girl was arrested for causing an uprising among the populace in a place two hours from Sarajevo, claiming she had visions. 
immediately I knew this was something happening. I'd heard owner about it. I can check it out. And then here I'm riding down the road. Journalists from all over the world were reporting this. Maybe it was just a blurb. That caused me to stop, call my wife on the phone. I said, you're not going to believe this. I just heard on the radio what I was telling you last week about. The, the friend the church told me the Virgin Mary's appearing in Medjugorje, a place called Medjugorje. I didn't know what the name was. I don't even think he knew at the time. And so Sarajevo had the Olympics because God foresaw what's coming. John Paul goes to Sarajevo and they find the day before 20 anti-tank mines, 50 plus pounds of plastic explosive equipped with remote control underneath the overpass he was going to be on the next day. Fernandine was killed in World War, preceding World War I. That started the war. Did you know what's happening right now, one hour from Sarajevo? A whole town, a whole area has been bought up by ISIS. They're flying the flag there. If there's going to be a run on Europe, it's going to be staged from an Islamic state. An Islamic state is where that would come from. And so they are sending people from this village to Syria and other places to fight. Several of them have been killed. A journalist went there, I guess a couple of months ago or a month ago, I don't know when it was, and he wanted to talk to one of them, and they went and talked to him. One guy looked at him with such hatred, he turned in space, he says, go away, we don't want you here. He did to get to speak to another Muslim there who had the, the ISIS flag flying at his house. And he asked him about that. He said, well, who's the terrorist? Look what America's doing over there. They're killing us. That's how he's defending it. But he, he agreed to talk to him anonymously. And then he says, Mohammed said, the whole world will be Islam when the cross is broken. This is the sign of the caliphate. I would say, you better pay attention to that. I would say, we don't pay attention to the news as this feedback came in on, but what they're saying themselves and what they're doing themselves. And so this thing happened. There was a hundred, the government, Bosnian government, which is predominantly Muslim, sent in a hundred policemen and raided this place, took down the flags. But they still have the land and some well-known people and terrorists are living there. And so we don't take a lot of people. Look, a few people took over parts of Syria. How they've invaded. How ISIS took over and run over things. What will the rest of the Muslims do? The good ones, the ones that some I know. Are they going to be quiet? They're going to go along with it? They're going to save their lives? Because they killed them too. So they're not for it, yes. There's a lot of good Muslims praying for peace. But why is this the place? Because Europe's going to be overrun. If this is not stopped, if something doesn't happen beforehand, and so you have Ireland, by popular vote, voted for sodomy. What does that mean? It means that things are poised and things are ready to do what they said when they decapitated the 21 or 24 Coptic Christians. They brought them down to the Mediterranean so their blood would spill into the water when they slit their throats. And do you remember what they said? They said to the effect, they announced, facing Rome, that this blood will 
be on your shores. Once that water hit that, they knew they were connected to Rome, satanically. They didn't say satanically, but they said Rome were coming. The place of the cross. And you don't want to pay attention to what they're saying when their word is their word and they do what they said their word is. But we have to ask ourselves the question, why are they gaining power? Why are they gaining a power that they can be in Midgard in three hours? Why is that? Think about it. Jesus spoke of Capernaum. That was his office. That was his home base. He says in Luke 10, And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? No, you will be brought down to Hades. Hades is hell. That's where Peter's house is. You can go there now. You can see the synagogue where he taught it. But because they rejected him, this is what, this is what they did. And we're rejecting now God's law. We're rejecting his commandments. And we expect to escape. It talks about in Revelations, the great city that is prophetically called Sodom and Egypt, where also the Lord was crucified. Actually, when they finish their testimonies, the beast that comes from the bottomless pit will make war on them and conquer them and kill them. And their dead bodies will lie in the streets of the great city that is prophetically called Sodom and Egypt, where their Lord was crucified. The Bible is full of prophetic statements. And we wonder why we're in the situation. If I lived in Ireland and I had a country that had voted for a popular vote for the sodomy, I'd be concerned. Why? Because the scripture says in Leviticus, after going through a whole laundry list in chapter 19, it ends at chapter 24. Do not, and it goes on the whole 1 to 24 about sins of the flesh and abomination. But what's interesting is at the end, it says, do not defile yourselves, well, this is actually speaking to the Jewish, to the Israelites, that I'm giving you this land, your promised land, you're going to go into that, and you're going to annihilate everybody there. Because the Canaanites and the Philistines had defiled the land with these sins, and he didn't want the Jewish to be influenced by that. But that merry-go-rounds comes back around to those who live in the land, even if they took up the promised land, that they become the same thing, and the same thing happens to them. Listen carefully what the Scripture says, especially for those in Ireland and those who are going toward this abomination. I wrote to Ireland that ISIS, places like ISIS will rise up to purify your land and purify the people and drive them out. Leviticus says, 24, chapter 19, Do not defile yourselves by any of these things by which the nations who I am driving out of your way have defiled themselves. Is God going to give ISIS, the Muslims, Europe? The lights may go out faster than you think. Chapter, verse 25, that continues. Because the land has become defiled, I am punishing it for the wickedness by making it vomit out its inhabitants. You, however, whether natives or resident aliens, must keep my statutes and decrees forbidding all such abominations by which the previous inhabitants defiled the land. 
Otherwise, speaking to them who's coming to conquer, otherwise the land will vomit you out also for having defiled it, just as it vomited out the nations before you. This is a biblical principle. When you graduate to the sin, what the Supreme Court just did, what Ireland just did, there is a principle that takes place of vomiting the people out of the land because there's nothing else left to do. You can't go and convert everybody in that. Maybe some you can. Abraham tried to get Lot to leave, and he was even reluctant. His, oh, not all his family would come. That's after going up to 50, 40, 30, 20, 10, just 10 people. Our Lady's calling you now to get out of the land and dwelling in it. Honor your mother and father. Honor the commandments that you can dwell in the land. It's always connected to the land. And the land of Sodom and Gomorrah was purified and burned and fire and suffer thrown upon it. So otherwise the land will vomit you out also for having defiled it, just as it vomited out the nations before you. Everyone who does any of these abominations shall be cut off from among his people. Heed my charge, then, not to defile yourselves by observing abominable customs that have been observed before you. I, the Lord, am your God. Is there. It's a principle in this New Testament. Jesus said about Capernaum, and he actually talked about Capernaum, that it will, better, it will go better for Sodom and Gomorrah than it will for Capernaum. Because if he came to Sodom and Gomorrah, they would have listened and converted. But Capernaum, you didn't. Woe to you in Chorazon. Woe to you in Bethesda. For if the deeds and power done in you have been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting on sackcloth and ashes. But at the judgment, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon than you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted in heaven? No, you'll be brought to Hades. These are serious words. Our Lady's not here for a non-serious event of just, oh, let's just get people converted. Let's just get them changing. Recently in Germany, I may have talked about this last week, the Muslims were walking around with authority. The women are dressed very modestly. They walk with dignity. And they're not got the black on. They're, they're more uh, in the face covered. But they do have a veil. A veil just like Our Lady. I'm not advocating it. I'm saying... They know where they're going. And everybody else is walking around aimlessly. Like going shopping. Don't even know what they're doing. My wife three days ago got operated on them in the waiting area, lobby. Everybody in there is on the cell phones. Her surgery was three and a half hours. I never saw hardly anybody without the cell phone just looking at this thing. Aimlessly, no thoughtful, no reflection on God. Just going along with what system is given to them that they accept this. This is the way. I heard an old gentleman, black guy, 65, walking by, saying, yeah, she puts that on Facebook. He's talking to somebody as he goes by. Everybody's into it. They think when they sit down, because there's nothing to do, that they can't pray. What you could have done or what you should have done, you're going to have to repent for the, the nuns taught idleness is a devil's workshop. They're idle. 
There's no productivity in that. They don't did the, nobody was doing business. It's just preoccupation, mesmerized by false glitter. And in the meantime, we've got the abominations happening in our lands. And you don't think we're going to be vomited out? We're in a serious state, and things have been poised there now in Bosnia and Herzegovina, where there could be a launch from there, which makes sense why our lady would come two hours, three hours from there, actually two hours from Sarajevo, that everything's starting to make sense. I want to tell you, I want to recommend to you, read The Six-Day War by Stephen Pressfield, called The Lion's Gate. Read it. They fought, and they fight how you should fight. I run my mission that God's given to me just the way they fought when they founded the country and all the way to the 58 war and then the 67 war. We go forward. We don't weigh out the consequences. We strike. And I'm not daunted by somebody who disagrees that they don't want to listen to me anymore by their feedback because they think we're just patronizing Israel. We're not just patronizing Israel. We're referencing Israel and our reverence because God was born there and it's just reasoning that Satan hates the spot and where we were redeemed at seven miles away on Calvary. And that rock's there. You don't think Satan wants that rock obliterated by a nuclear bomb? Just reason out and you'll know truth. You don't have to hear truth. You know it in your heart and you read History, you study, you study the Bible, you read what's going on, you pray, and you understand. Why don't you understand Ireland and other places, our Supreme Court, that you have just put a noose around your neck? Because the Bible verse here says something interesting. I'm driving people out, but it said, For you, you, however, whether natives or resident aliens, must keep my statutes and decrees. Forbidding all such abominations. We're supposed to be fighting this. We live in, people live in Ireland that are against this. But don't think everybody else won't be driven out. But it says, you, however, whether natives, you native Irishmen, or resident aliens, those who've immigrated there, who are against this stuff, who want to fight it, says, must keep my statutes and decrees forbidding all such abomination. You fight it. We've got the marriage it's naturallawandmarriage.org. Go on there. Print that in Ireland. Cover it. You in the United States of America, do the same thing. You in other languages, you can download this or get a copy from naturallawandmarriage.org. Order those. You pass those out. It's the easiest way to get people off the fence because you're commanded to do that. Why? Because you, however, whether natives or resident aliens, must keep my statutes and decrees, forbidding all such abominations. You are to fight this. You're not to sit there and lay over, wait till the next things, and wait for the Alabama Supreme Court, which we put our trust in and a lot of hope in. But you've got to be active, too. You've got to be on the streets. We've got these going out from our place here when everybody goes for whatever. Go to Walmart, just lay one on the shelf. Don't lay 20. Just lay one there at the soup, whatever. Spread these things because it gets people who don't even know what to think the mindset and the mentality of what to think and start fighting this. Otherwise, you will be driven out of land if you accept this. I was just told Sunday of a couple who's here we know who's got a prayer group and the leader of the prayer group has a son who's abominable. 
And so this abominable person has his mother praying in the prayer group, and there's two others in the prayer group who are following the natural law and what we put out, and start saying this is a sin, this is denounced, this has to be denounced. Well, the woman starts arguing back with them, and they start getting back. I said, don't even debate it. You just put it forth the fact, and you put it that and that way. And then the woman whose son is this way says something incredible. She says and asks the question, well, why are you against marriage? If they married, then it wouldn't be a sin. Unbelievable. John Paul was having lunch, or breakfast rather, with some Korean bishops. And they asked him, Will people who are ignorant go to heaven? And John Paul says, yes, but their bishops won't. They're going to hell. This woman saying this, thinking because of a couple are living together, a, husband, a boy and a girl living together, that they get married and they go, to, or rather they go to confession, do everything, get married, and then they have their relationship. is not sin. This person has passed on that teaching that that applies to anybody gets married. So if we can make a law saying you get married in a perverted way of the same gender, then it's not a sin. This is how far lost we are. This is a puppet problem. This is a silence of the puppet. This is to be blamed on the puppet, 100%. If anybody believes something so absurd that they're not kicked out of the church for one thing, if they do believe it and profess it, but they don't even have a hearing of it for the puppet to say it, not to adopt it, is ignorance in the highest degree, but also, in a very indicting way, those who stand in the pulpit. And that's what scared me. Our pastor just read the reading about, because this just came up remarkably in the midst of all this. You think it's by coincidence? Shepherds, woe to those shepherds. I quoted a couple, couple of shows ago. And then here's the reading last Sunday. He says, I shudder. Our pastor is a good pastor. He said, I shudder when I read this because I think about what have I done or not done. And he gave a good homily. But you have to speak, especially you bishops and priests. You better be denouncing this because you're commanded to even in your office. Whether you're a native or resident alien, you must keep the statutes and decrees forbidding all such abomination. It's not just talking. It's getting out in the streets. It's getting out and doing whatever you got to do to stop it. Because ISIS is at our back door. Europe is our sister over there. And it's going to be on our door. The clashings of the sword. So finally, how do we make this connection? The abomination in Israel. Whatever happens in the world, there's always issues that put forth we don't we don't have a problem with the Confederate flag. This is something disconnected the Confederate flag with this man killed these poor poor nine black souls. That's the issue is disguised. You go back to a dysfunctional family that taught things and didn't teach love. That's the core thing. We don't have other issues that's happening in di- different situations where this this Marine, these five Marines. Yeah, people say he's Muslims this way, but you know what was wrong with him also? He had a total dysfunctional family. His father beat the mother. He hated that situation. And these people are going to turn something that can be venting that hatred because they want to, they would long for family life. They long for what's in the family. 
And so they're seeking another. They're seeking something. They're seeking some kind of greatness or some identity. And hatred prevails over because it's a fertile ground for hatred to grow. So he goes, kills Marines. But you can't tell me that was just only connected. Everybody's saying on the news, yeah, yeah, he's, he's going to, but why? Those are mask issues that we're going to do this because we're going to do this for our line. There's other issues behind it. What birthed the hatred in the first place? Families birth love and they birth hatred. They also birth abomination to divorce. And so there's a parallel with this. Israel is an issue of hatred, but don't be deceived that this is not rising up of ISIS or Iran or other places want to see Israel wiped off the face of the earth of the worldly issues of what the real issue is. The real issue is what Scripture says. Do not defile yourselves by any of these things by which the nations whom I'm driving out of your way have defiled themselves. Because their land has become defiled, I am punishing it. This is abomination. When man sins, he punishes. He has to to save the human race for the future. Otherwise, it'll end. Because man would destroy itself. We've spoken that repeatedly. Had I not come, the world would have destroyed itself. Man is self-destructive. When he long wanders in sin, he's that way. I am punishing it for its wickedness by making it vomit out its inhabitants. And so this hatred toward Israel is really a mask. Of, first of all, he wants to get rid of the holy sites. And when God withdraws, Satan starts foaming at the mouth slobbering all over itself. Oh, I got another chance to destroy Israel because God's let me come because I've come through what is unseemly. Romans 1, 18-32. When man turned to man, I'll punish them. I'll give them over to themselves. So this is Satan's out of the gate mark where he can go after what he really wants. But don't be clouded by the issues of what's happening this is much deeper than that. The reason it happens is because of man's sin through abomination. When he delivers his commandments, you will dwell in the land. If you don't, you'll be vomited out. So Israel's in trouble, and you better pray for it. Because if you pray for Israel, you pray for yourself. The visionaries actually have said a message. He says, when you, pray for, when you pray for my intentions, you're praying for yourself. When you pray for your enemies, she said, when you pray for your enemies, you're praying for yourselves. And yes, we will pray for enemies. Yes, we'll pray for peace. We'll pray for conversion. And that's part of the three secrets. And the first secret, it has to do with Medjugorje. Is it going to be its own purification? Because there's things there that's not right. I don't know what else to tell you, except you start going into these things, and you read, and you pray, and you fast. Because we're coming into a whole new world. As Ivan said, there'll be physical changes upon the whole earth. And then you'll know why Our Lady came every single day. Don't waste one of those. Seek her intentions and her messages. We wish you Our Lady. We love you. Goodbye.
The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. This ends the Medjinomics show with a friend of Medjugorje. To listen or download free, go to medj.com, spelled M-E-J dot com, the left-hand menu, Radio Wave, and click on Past Shows. To order this show on CD, you can contact Caritas in the U.S. at 205-672-2000. Again, 205-672-2000. Thank you for listening.